Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Welcome in to another episode of Punt and the Poor Man. We're still on that name, Ryan. Punt and the Poor Man. I hard think it's the R. right name. Hard R. P-O-O-R. Punt and the Poor Man, Drew Butler and Ryan Skates with another awesome interview for everybody to enjoy today. And our guest, Ryan, is none other than the one, the only, Jeff Dantzler. He is the voice of Athens, as you said, a longtime Georgia broadcasting personality. He's a Georgia historian. Some may call him a savant. He's just a blast to talk to. Yeah, outside of, you know, number one will always be Larry Munson, at least for us. Yeah. And uh, and then Lauren Smith. I mean, his voice is Georgia. It's distinctive. It takes you right to Athens. I mean, I have so many memories of of hearing him on the postgame shows. And, I mean, he's just always there. And uh, there's so much to be said for just showing up and being somewhere. And he is that guy right now. Everybody talks about how Dan McGill was that guy and then Lauren Smith was and now it's yeah. JD. He would never say that about himself, but he is that guy now and uh how cool to catch up with him. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's a reason why we wanted to interview Lauren, uh why we're interviewing Jeff. These are the guys who people resonate with when you're talking about Georgia football or Georgia athletics. Jeff is the voice of Georgia baseball. He's the voice of Lady Dogs Hoops. And he does it all, um, pre and post game on your Georgia football Saturdays, Bulldog Brunch with some guy named Kevin Butler as yeah. well. I have been gracious or grateful to know Jeff for a number of years. And when we sat here and talked with him, his passion for Georgia, it's unmatched. It really (laughs) is. It's fun to witness and get him riled up because the man simply loves anything and everything Georgia. He does. I mean, he carries the banner for people like me who kind of weave in and out of, you know, how passionate or connected I might feel, but his is his love for Georgia is unwavering and uh, almost disturbing. (laughs) We talk about it during the interview, uh, and I have seen Jeff during a football game. It is a sight to be seen. He will make anybody around him anxious. Years ago, it was the game where Rodrigo Blankenship kicked the game-winning field goal against Kentucky. I think my dad, oh, my dad was traveling with the team. So the post-game show, they needed a fill-in. Jeff called me. He's like, hey, can you do the post-game show with me? We're going to hit the, you know, it was like an 8 p.m. kick. We're hitting the air like 11. I was like, whatever, I'll do it. So I watched the game with Jeff at Alan Miller's house, and it was a Kentucky game, and it went down to the last second. I mean, Jeff Dantzler was just a ball of anxiety for two and a half hours, and then Georgia wins, and the world is spinning still. It's amazing. You have to witness it. He just goes to show how much he loves Georgia. Well, and I imagine at that point in the season, probably the game, of course, I, I should remember this game, but it probably wasn't like a national championship. No, it was an SEC Network late-night game. Rodrigo made the kick, and he he, t- he did the post-game press conference with his chin strap fully buckled up and his helmet on, his glasses were what, still this on. This is probably 18. 2016, I think. 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so 16 was a throwaway year. Yes. I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. He's still just sick over it. Yeah. Oh, and we we touched on uh, his relationship with Coach Dan McGill. We touched on what the university means to him, how Athens is probably the most special place in the world to him. And all in all, it was just a laugh. It was a great conversation to have with J.D. Awesome stuff. Absolutely. Here he is, the one, the only, Jeff Dantzler on Punt and the Poor Man. Welcome in, Punt and the Poor Man. 
Drew Butler here alongside my co-host Ryan Skates from the Poor Man's Game Notes, and we have a very, very, very special guest on today's episode. It is none other than the voice of Georgia baseball and the voice of Georgia women's basketball, host of Dog Talk pre- and post-game on Georgia football weekends, along with the Bulldog Brunch live from the Hilltop Grill in Athens, Georgia. He is an Athens and Georgia radio broadcasting and personality and a Georgia historian, Mike be able to call him a savant. He's it's a, Jeff Dantzler. He's a legend. The voice of Athens. No, yes. no voice takes you to Athens faster. And and I'm just going to keep him off the air as long as I can by extending the introduction. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jeff, how are you, brother? Thanks well, so much for joining us. No, I pre- it's an honor to have you guys together. I think it's a perfect marriage. You two are great guys and great bulldogs, obviously. And uh, this is it's always exciting. And, and what a time to be alive. Back-to-back national championships. And I can remember just growing up, and I was 8 in 1980, and we came so close those next two years. And I know for for so many of us, I thought and I believed, I remember Drew being on with your dad many times when we were going through some dusty, some hard times, Daddy, like losing (laughs) at Colorado, some hard times going, dare to be great. Dare to be great. We can do this. And when I think about back-to-back national titles, you, know, you go back, let's say, the last 50 years since the early 70s, who are the schools that have done that? Nebraska, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, Alabama. Florida. Like, we, knew, we beat them oh, in back to back. Back-to-back. Yes, 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 back-to-back. Yes, yes. So yes. it's like those type programs, USC, Alabama, Oklahoma, Nebraska, the, that can be us. We can be that great. You know, it starts with, with getting the guys in our state. We've got the resources. We've got the passion. We've got the fan base. And now we've got the coach. We, we've got our guy. And this is just incredible of what this program's been able to do. It's, it's the dream come true. It really is. Uh, you're a professional broadcaster because it leads into the first question I have written down. As a longtime broadcaster on the Georgia Bulldogs radio network, you heavily interact with the fans more so than other people who are on the network. You'd have to say these last few years have been pretty enjoyable. Oh, they, they certainly have been. The, the The hardest part of this job with Kevin and yours truly, it's when we lose. And for me, at the root of it, I am a diehard, psychotic Georgia football fan. (laughs) So when we lose, I'm hurting as bad as anybody is. And it's it's very, very difficult. So you definitely have to enjoy the wins. And I think, now, Drew, you're a great athlete. You've probably got this, that, you know – Great competitors hate to lose more than they love to win. But but I think everybody, whether you're an athlete, a coach, a fan, whatever it may be, you have to enjoy the victories and enjoy the ride. And I know from just my, my fans' point of view, I started a few years ago saying, like, okay, when we win, I'm enjoying this through Monday night football before I start <laughs> stressing about the yeah. next Saturday. Now, I know Kirby, there a, a couple times, like over the last few years, I remember like one day at, at Marker 7, I ran into Jeb Blazevich in there. And I said, hey, great win last night. I think we had beaten flying. You know, we're already on to Missouri or whoever was coming up next. And, and I get it. But but as a fan, you certainly have to enjoy it. You know, Coach Dooley used to always say, the highs are never as high as the lows are low. So when you do have those high times, you better soak them in. And couldn't be any better right now. Gosh, there's nothing to add to that. All right, that was great. See you later, Jeff. Um, no, I mean, it, it is crazy. Yeah. And it's... It's like, oh, I wish we could slow it down. Last year, I remember, you know, I felt like, as we all did, and, and Jeff 
put it great last year. No win had ever meant so much to any group of people as oh. that win over Alabama meant to us. Yeah. And especially uh, to Drew. Yes, that's a yeah. <laughs> my Bama wife. Absolutely. Yeah. So um and then this year, I, don't, I didn't want the season to start. I would have been completely happy if Georgia never played another <laughs> football game ever again. And then we go out and we win every one of them. Yeah. And, uh, and now we don't even know it's different. Liam here from Australia has never seen Georgia lose a game in person <laughs> since he's been on You're this side leaving. of the date line. <laughs> they haven't lost. You're not leaving it, and, and you're exactly right. I, I was not. I remember in the spring last year, people said, oh, are you ready for the season? I'm like, no, because I can tell you, working with so many other sports, making those victory rides into Baton Rouge and Tuscaloosa and Gainesville with that national championship for basketball, for baseball, tennis, whatever it may be, really, really sweet for all of our teams. And, and I'd always said, I made a pact with myself that if we ever won it all, I said, I'm not going to get nervous that next year until the tech week. I'm just going to enjoy it. Well, you know, once the, the, the first bad play goes wrong. But, but this was <laughs> the most. about this past year for yeah, Georgia th- Tech? That was the was most. high school team. That was the most enjoyable season of my life. Yeah. And I think back talking about Liam only knowing the wins. Again, I was eight in 1980. So you really don't know any different. And if I go back and watch some old film, if I'm on the elliptical, I prefer looking at 81 and 82 because we've already got that title. So yeah. uh, for this year, this was my most enjoyable season because you, know, you think even if, if it doesn't happen, we won it last year. And, I mean, there was even when it looked bleak against Ohio State, we were five feet under. There was still that thought of me, like, you know what? We won it all last year. We won the SEC championship. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're in Start the playoff. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. Yeah. And, and, hey, I sent out the, uh, the the condolences to you. Were probably on one of the threads. Like, listen, it's this has been an incredible run. Been an amazing year. It's just started. And then lo and behold, preemptively putting yes. out the text yeah, threads. we we pulled the thing out. It's like I, I'd said to somebody. I mean, you guys weren't alive then. I, CJ Stroud's so great. I go, this time we beat Marino. Yeah. Because that's who beat us the year after, and we were number two going into that game. And you know, had we won in Clemson, loss, we would have won back to back. But said so this time we beat Marino, and Stroud had that kind of game. He, he looks Gosh, like he did have a great game. God does. He looks like that kind of player. So uh, again, for me, most enjoyable ever. And we've had a lot of discussions about uh, what was your favorite win? You know, was it Oklahoma? Was it the Alabama game? Hell no, TCU. We won sixty-five to seven. <laughs> yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. Like my two favorite wins when I was a kid, we beat Tech forty. 4-7 and 81 and Florida 44 nothing and 82. I'm like 65 to 7. Like stress free. Yeah. No doubt. That's number one in my book. You know, you're talking about that Ohio State game. Um and, and you as a Georgia savant, but also just being a big time fan. That's the game Georgia used to always lose. Hey, I don't think always. we win that game had we not beaten Alabama the year before. I agree with it, that. It got the, the monkey off the back, that the literal and figurative elephant off the chest. Yeah. Yeah. But this team, we, we believed. And, and that is one, for a game of that magnitude, I think that's the first time in my life. And I'm growing up with Coach Dooley in, in, in the mighty months and a natural-born pessimist. Uh, you know, it, oh, God, we're down 3 nothing. We're going to lose it. But, <laughs> but deep down, you know, you're, you're still thinking, we can still do this. That's the first time I can remember, especially in a game like that, thing like, we are going to lose. And we won. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that we are downright going to lose this game. And we and we pulled the thing out, and it, there's no doubt about this. We have played in the two greatest semifinal games of all time. There's no question. There's no question. You mentioned the Coach Dooley uh, quote of "Don't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low." Bruce Arians, who was the head coach when I was with the Arizona Cardinals, coached with Bear Bryant for a while, and right. something that he always used to repeat was, 
you can learn a lot from losing, but you can learn even more from almost losing. Right. And Georgia did that by almost losing to Ohio State. They made the corrections, and they thumped TCU. You almost had that feeling because they played what was essentially, when it was all said and done, the real national championship against Ohio State. I, I would agree with that 100%. And I can remember walking out of that stadium that night where there's been a lot of heartbreak through the years. Oh, I mean, God. going back to 1818. I don't go there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's awful. But, but to it. go, and I remember when we beat Oregon, I remember thinking, you know, it's possible we could be here three times. And I thought that Oregon game, for many reasons, it was so big because we needed to get good mojo going in that building again. Mm-hmm. And we did. But coming out of there, I mean, one of the first things, your dad and I were walking to the car. And I, I just said, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta find a way to get Bowers more involved. He's the best player in the country. Um, and your dad said they need to come up with some new plays mm-hmm. for Bowers. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you talk about Kirby and that staff getting to work. And the, the, it would TCU not getting cute. Uh, it, it's Bowers. It's McConkey. It's McIntosh getting the ball to your guys. And Georgia did just that. And you know, I said so that that was one of the things that stood out to me was in that time in between the games, because when the chips are down, especially in football, you know, in baseball, we know the guys stats and all that, but it's, it's about your great players make the big plays in the gr- biggest of stages. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to me, it was like, here's Stetson getting the ball to Bowers, getting the ball to Bennett. That really, set the tone for us. I thought the staff did just a great job of getting everybody ready. And it was also a perfect scenario. We're coming off your coach Arians quote is spot on there, the near miss in this amazing game and TCU, they probably feel like they, they steal one. Mm-hmm. Michigan left what 24 points yeah. on the table. And, and, and I'm sure it was a spot where they were just happy to be there. I, I can tell you there, there, there was once I've got to go to four college world series with the Bulldogs. There was one year we were just happy to be there. Yeah. Right? And, and right. you know, that's, that's natural for, for that to happen when you don't expect it. There were some other years where we expected to be there when you nearly won the whole thing, but but I think it, it was really a perfect storm, and that was a, a great team that played a great game against a really, really good team that had a bad night because it was we had obviously grabbed control. Then once the turnover started coming, yeah. it, it snowballed quickly. You weren't there, right? No, I did not get Did you have any idea, because I was at home watching that game, that the kick literally happened, the, the, the foot-to-leather contact happened in 2022 and the ball landed in 2023. Did you have that sense of timing when it all went down? No, it was about probably 10, 15 minutes later. Okay. You know, because all we're thinking about there is... This is it. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, there was a... Strangely, in Dome Stadiums in Atlanta where there's been all that heartbreak... We've got a history of blocking kicks. Yeah, you're right. And yeah. there, you're that was a long kick. And I, by no means, I'm thinking, oh, he's going to miss it for sure. And I'll tell you right now, I was taking a knee, saying a prayer in the <laughs> press don't, box. I don't doubt that one bit. And, Which is illegal in the press box. By yeah, the way. That's, I guess I've been banned <laughs> no again. Praying, no cheering. No, yes. no praying. No praying. And he, you know, obviously he, he hooked it so badly. But but you have to give us a lot of credit for that. You know, we, we get a push there. Yeah. You know, Dare Smith's back there. But by, by no means was it a gimme. And I think the fact, too, that it was a 50-yarder, and he was automatic from inside of that. And yeah. that was kind of his threshold. But for that to happen, yeah, right at the stroke of midnight. It's unbelievable. It re- you could have tried that. You know, I'm sure you, you guys both golf and – you know, it'd be one of those, like, let's say you, you hit one off the toe and it hits a tree and rolls on the green and goes in for a hole-in-one. You could stand there with buckets of balls for a month yeah. and try to do that no chance. 
to try and like if, if you would have tried to script that and have it happen, it would have been impossible. No right, doubt. right. But it, it, it really was amazing. And then of course there's still three seconds and we're running on the field. I'm like, can we just get the snap now? Can we just can we just get out of here? Can we just get out of here? But that was an epic, epic night. No question. Yeah. I mean, I, what do you add? Yeah, I have I nothing mean, to add it, to it, any of this. It, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. Sure and it's then dumb. we got back. We were staying at the Ritz. And okay. I think okay. my head hit Big the spender. pillow. Yeah. Yeah. You had about 348. And uh, my wife the next morning goes, oh, by the way, um, I put some champagne on the room. And I go, <laughs> I go, how much was it? She goes, well, how much is too much? I go, triple digit. She goes, oh, went way over that. I'm like, yeah, New Year's Eve champagne at the Ritz. I think it was about 160 So I know on my uh, hotel bill. Expense I, report. Yeah, well, I just always turn in what, what the AMAX, and let's say the statement was, I don't know, six. John Strong got us a deal. Let's say <laughs> it was, go. I don't Shout know. Out 700 I had to put like a minus 160 just 540s all yo there there's, there's, there's a, a buck 60 worth of uh bubbly Honest and by the way when my wife and your mom get together yeah watch out your mom loves the grape juice and my wife loves the bubbles yeah. I mean it is they're the well, they're women who know what they want Yes, a lot, lot of grapes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a lot, lot of grapes. A lot of grapes, absolutely. <laughs> this is something you talk about on the air quite a bit, um, and, and you've alluded to it as we've starting off this interview. But discuss the importance of keeping perspective amidst this remarkable one by Georgia football. Yeah, I, I think for me, I've always been a historian. I love history, and, and I think just to, to think about where you've come from is so important. And again, for me, I, I just look at you think about the programs when I was growing up and, you know, when you guys were young, y'all were getting kind of the, the second wave of Nebraska, you know, at, at the end there yeah. with, with Frazier and, and Lawrence Phillips and, and yes, yes, that, that era there. And, you know, and, and I remember what they were doing like with Turner Gill, Irving Fryer, Mike Rozier, Johnny Rogers a little before my time. So, again, I'm thinking about Tom Osborne, you know, Barry Switzer w with the wishbone and all those great teams there. Then, of course, what, what USC did kind of in the end with John McKay and then John Robinson. And then when Pete Carroll brought it back up, you know, Miami and yeah, their great yeah. runs, Florida with, with Spurrier and Meyer. And then, of course, Alabama was saving. And then to think we're doing things that those schools have done. I, I think Kirby's career lines up very similar to Steve Spurrier's. Mm. And oh, now he's he's topped it with, with the back-to-back -back national titles. But Spurrier was so close, won it all in his seventh year, and a very, very yeah, similar yeah. there with Kirby. And the fact, too, that they're, they're back home. You know, Bear Bryant went to Alabama. Mm -hmm. Spurrier went to Florida. Now, where we're in better shape with Kirby, he doesn't have an eye for the NFL. And that was always a thing with Spurrier, you always felt. Mm -hmm. And I, th that's how pathetic we were for a stretch here in the 90s. I'm like, please take the 49ers job. Because yeah. I didn't think there was a chance we could beat him, yeah. you know, as long as he was there. Then Coach Donning came in, and we did. But, but yeah, keeping the historical perspective, and, and I just think about when we've had – the hard times. I go back to that. You were on that team, that 2010 loss to Colorado. Oh. I mean, that's, that's embarrassing. The, the loss to, to central Florida, when we go 96 <laughs> yards and kick a field goal, I'll be in group text, there. like with Ryan or, or like with you. And I'm watching the greatness of George right now. And I go, 
damn, we sucked back in 2010. It was bad football. Hey, we've got a Ray Guy Award winner. <laughs> and those guys do not come from national championship <laughs> teams. That is, that is a fact. And, and it's, uh, yeah, so, so I think that that is very important. I always said in 1980, the year before we won it all, uh, Georgia lost to Virginia 31 nothing the week before Florida. And I always said to Georgia fans back then, if somebody would have told you walking out of that stadium, you're going to win the national title, well, you got to be bleeping crazy. Yeah, yeah. So you, you do, I, I think about thinking about the difficult times and how important that is because I also feel like that unifies the fan bases. Mm-hmm. The, the losses bring you together. You know who's hurting and bandwagoners be gone. Yeah. Now, and, and, and obviously when you're winning, Coach McGill used to always say, everybody loves a winner. But when you're winning, everybody wants to jump on board. And obviously everybody is now, which is great. But for the for the diehards, we all know, like like us in this room, we all know the people. I mean, I mean the tears that were shed that night in Indianapolis, oh, those guess. those tears of joy, just how much that meant to so many people. So I think that's where just the historical perspective to think about what we've accomplished, the company that we're in mm-hmm. with these schools again. Alabama, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, this is blue blood, blue blood that has done this. And and then to think about where we were for those dark times and now where we are, king of the mountain. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's crazy to me that it has taken so long for Georgia to finally arrive. You know, we talk about dark times. I always think about, like, the the SEC program that seems to have kind of like a proud tradition but just seems hopeless in terms of national success is Ole Miss. Like, they'll never – it doesn't seem like they're ever going to get there. But with Georgia, it felt like that for so long that we weren't – you know, Georgia is a bigger school, a much bigger athletic department. It had so much potential for so long. And the fact that – it's just now realizing that is just it, it makes me so mad. The other part of that too, though, is that we were so close. I mean, we were if you, if you take college and pro, I always say we were kind of like the Boston Red Sox here in their drought, so close so many times. It was almost a mathematical improbability. And then you throw in the number of national titles from bordering states. I mean, just think, you know, in the last twenty something years, the number of titles won by Miami, Florida, Florida State, Alabama, Auburn, Clemson. Yeah. And it's, it's unbelievable. It you, know, really you throw is. it at LSU, beat another SEC school. So my, my friend Mark Partman made a good point kind of when we were were so close kind of in that, that 02 to 07 and then the heartbreak of 2012. It's like it would be one thing if it was in, say, the, the, the 60s and 70s when, let's just say, like if, if over an eight-year period, if Michigan, Ohio State, Southern Cal, Oklahoma, Texas, it's like, well, no, well, well Auburn's doing it, Clemson's doing it, LSU's doing it. If they can do it, we can do Absolutely. it. Why not us? Yeah. So that was always kind of a dare to be great and why not us? And then the great thing about Kirby amongst his many great things is we have a head coach who has the same dreams as our fans. Yeah. And that is to have the Georgia football program be the very best in the country. I've always believed we've had the potential to do it, and now we are. No doubt. So yeah. enjoy every second. Yeah, it's special times. There's yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, without a doubt. You think about Georgia, let's say, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, and where it is today. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the football program, although I do think the football program is maybe a symptom of this, just how much more unified – the school and its fans are. You know, sure. I mean, just 12 years ago, there were two different foundations supporting the school, and one would not talk to the other. You know, there was so much division between the president and the athletic director, and so many alumni feeling isolated or 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 shunned. And, you know, you fast forward to today, 
Those days are over. We have a president that went to Georgia. Our foundation's over a billion dollars, which would never have been thought of before. It's closer to two billion than one billion. We have a, gov- a governor uh, who yeah. is a Georgia bulldog. Yeah. And who die, die hard dog. Right. Yeah, Marty was a cheerleader, our first lady. Mary Beth played basketball yeah. for Georgia. I mean, it is it's, ingrained. It's Camelot almost for yes. bulldogs. It, it, it's a it's a really cool time. Uh, maybe expanding on that a little bit. When it came time for the governor to do his victory lap on the with his inauguration, you were the master of ceremonies. Tell us about that experience. That was that was an incredible honor, and the one that I was not expecting, and it was it was pretty amazing, and it was pretty nerve wracking. What you're thinking right there, I, I don't. It was. I also had the honor of emceeing Coach Dooley's um, celebration of life, and. I said, uh, well, what Coach Dooley would have said to me is, Jeff, this is a great opportunity. Don't mess it up. <laughs> and I was thinking the same thing at the inauguration. It really was a, a wonderful, wonderful day. And it, it was a great honor for me. It was it was just incredible. Um, so it, it, was, it was an action-packed week to win the national championship on Monday night, inauguration on Thursday. It was, I, I think, for everybody, it was – uh, we were all ready certainly to have a cocktail on Thursday night, that's for sure. <laughs> no question. Well-deserved honor uh, for you as well. You mentioned Coach McGill earlier, um, and that's a name that keeps coming up as we're doing these interviews. Tell tell our audience, first off, who Coach McGill is. I think it's important to, to, to kind of cement who he is and also the impact that he's had on you. He's the greatest Bulldog ever, uh, hands down. Um, I, I know at one point, this was in the 90s, uh, he did the job at uh, – Good gosh, Claude Felton and I figured out that I think we had 40 full-time employees doing then. But uh, Coach McGill, along with being, at the time, the winningest coach in, in college tennis history, Manny actually passed him, his protege, yeah. was the sports information director. He was the executive director of the Georgia Bulldog Club. And during the dark times in the 50s, I mean, that's when we had the, the, the drought, lost eight games in a road attack, lost eight out of nine to Florida. I mean, between the 48 and 59 SEC championships, it, it was a horrible, horrible time. I mean, there was one year, I think it was 53-54. We went 3-8 and eight in football and 3-22 and 22 in basketball. Oh. Coach McGill held it together, and he went – town by town, county by county, and got all the alumni in the states and formed these Bulldog Clubs. And it was just such a beloved character, the most talented man I ever met You know, when it, when it came to coaching, when it came to writing, when it came to uh, speech giving. And he had this, I don't want to say inimitable because everybody imitates it, but he was just this wonderful man with a great big heart who meant so much to so many people. And he's definitely there on the Mount Rushmore of the Georgia Bulldogs. And that's another thing that makes Georgia so unique. When when I think about some of the great people at Georgia that never, say, played football or or coached football here, I think we've got Dan McGill, Larry Munson, Claude Felton, Sonny Seiler, Jack Davis, the famous cartoonist. I hate doing these lists because I'm going to leave somebody out and be embarrassed. But but to have just so many people like that who have meant so much. And uh, here's the other big thing you need to know about Coach McGill. I mean, his his protégés are Manuel Diaz and Claude Felton. Yep. Uh, you, you talk about setting the table twice, but he was an amazing, amazing man. Uh, he, he and Dan Jenkins, two best writers I ever read, and he is definitely the funniest man I ever met, and he was a world champion cusser as well. He was, he, <laughs> That's he great. Was, he was absolutely the greatest. But, uh, yeah, when, when he when he passed away and then when, 
when, when Munson passed away, you know, those, those were really, really tough. And unfortunately, you know, we lost coach Dooley and, and coach Copas and Steve Greer. And again, I'm going to be embarrassed to leave somebody out, but uh, bulldog heaven has been rocking and rolling yeah. here yeah. these last couple of years. Yeah. They've got a lot to celebrate up there yeah, as got well. That right. They're having a damn good time. There's no question <laughs> about that. Yeah. I mean, just really a lot of fun talking to you, JD. Let's bring it back to football a little bit. So much is going on in the football world. You know, is the SEC going to expand further? Texas and Oklahoma are on the way. What's going to happen with the Big Ten? What are your thoughts on the future of the SEC? It seems like there's no longer going to be divisions. Um, that, that's, do you think the Power Five is going to break away from the NCAA? There's just a lot to discuss in the terms of the future of college football. Let's anoint J.D. SEC commissioner yes. for this yes. room. Tell yes. us what decisions you're making. I needed to throw one other thing on Coach McGill, too. He's also the Guinness Book of World Records twice. He played the longest ping pong point in history. Come on. <laughs> Yes, I could hear and him talking. It's like about over that. An, over an hour and a half, one point. One point. Did yeah, he, he told it? the story. <laughs> I don't. I think they forgot, but he he was like twelve years old, and as he told the story, I don't remember the name of who he was playing. Said everybody was watching him at the wine. Let's just say he was playing skates. He goes, "Well, what's the score? Nine eight McGill." That a couple of kids went to class, and then they came back to watch it. What's the score? Nine eight McGill. <laughs> and he was also the world's fastest two fingered typist. One hundred thirty seven words a minute. Exactly. Well, that, that was not hunting and packing. But uh, no, I think any anyway, um, I'm going to give you my opinion first. I hate conference expansion. I detest it. Uh, part of what makes college football, college sports great, it's tradition and it's based with regional rivalries and we're just losing so much of that. Uh, and, and a lot of times it's, it's obviously it's not just about the, um, the money, it's about the amount of money. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. That's an old joke there, but, and, and it's about, you know, footprints and cable TV boxes. And I understand all that. And, you know, I know it's, it's this just incredible arms race here. I think we are going to lose a lot of traditions, but, the, the powers that be when these decisions are made kind of for, for, for those on the front line, just like, all right, here's what the deal is now. Now the devil's in the details. And that might be an understatement, but to try and figure out scheduling yeah. and divisional formats, I mean, or I, I, I never liked the SEC title game. I, I think it hurts you more than it helps you. Especially I mean, now. Yeah, I mean, had there not been an SEC title game in 18, 19, 21, you know, you, you're getting two teams in. And now, if you lose that game with the expanded playoff, it's really hurting you. Yeah. I mean, you could really be in a spot where you yeah. say, well, if you win it, you get the bye. Yeah. I mean, but would you'd, you'd have been much better off being in Alabama or Tennessee's shoes than USC's shoes yeah. under the new format. So, you know, you're going to get into a spot at Georgia, Florida, doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it could happen. I mean, because think about it, Drew, you play in the NFL. I mean, their games, let's say if the Steelers and Ravens are both in, eh. Yeah, who's you know, playing? I don't want to play this week. Again, Take a little well, rest. you could yeah. get a bye this yeah. week, but you're still in. Of course. You're, you're still in. Yeah. And we've all seen in sports plenty of wild cards, plenty of teams go through the road. But uh, back to the original thought, and, and for those who do like it and like all this, I have no vote. So you could just <laughs> call, sure. call me an old dinosaur. The original deal I had heard was was that it was going to be a pods-type system. Mm-hmm. And I think our pod was going to be Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, and Kentucky. Correct. And you'd play them every year. Then basically you would play six and then the next year play the other six, and then you'd flip-flop it. So over a four-year period, you would have played everybody in the league twice, and you would have been at 
every stadium. Yeah, like um, So, and it seems just kind of getting the lay of the land. And I'm talking with, with Josh, a couple, Josh Brooks, our AD, who does a great job, um, a couple times that the. And you guys are, you know, you kind of get the, the wave of it. And I'm sure they're Twitter analytics. It seems like for fan bases, for everybody, the push seems to be to have a greater frequency of opponents played. Like George hasn't been to Texas A&M yet. Now we were scheduled to go in 24. I, I don't know how that's going to yeah, work out now. So I, I think that's one of those deals. But there, there's so many other sports in it. And I think one thing that is important, it's when you look at the schedule, because I can tell you, like flying to a place like Texas A&M for a basketball game midweek, that's tough. Yeah. So to me, you know, and for you were you were a student athlete, you know, they talk about this. I think it would be important for say the east side of the league, Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, and now the west and northwest. For the sports where, let's say, Florida's playing Missouri, um, South Carolina's playing Texas. Let's have those on the weekends. For sure. And not on a Tuesday, yeah, Wednesday, alleviate or Thursday that pressure night. for the that's, student athletes, for that's, sure. That's some tough, tough travel there. But I was talking about with Coach Strickland, our baseball coach. I'm like, well, are we going to play five and then play another five, then another five after that? Are you going to rotate everybody around? And the answer right now is they don't know. Yeah, no, nobody nobody knows. knows. But I would think that we've got to have that figured out by this summer. Because twenty twenty four is not far away. No, it's yeah. not. It'll be here before you know. It. So that twenty twenty four dash twenty twenty five sports calendar is going to be here. And I get it. Football drives everything, and it is the most important thing. But in terms of scheduling and putting things together for all the other sports, you know, or are some sports going to have divisions? Yeah, I don't know. But it, it looks to me like we're not going to have divisions. But then, all right, let's say you get. You know, Georgia, Alabama, or Georgia, Tennessee, and an SEC title game. It's just. I know. It, it I just know. It doesn't mean anything. And, oh, you could get a bye. Uh, okay. I but, totally agree. I mean, but in the end, not, not playing in it, if you win, you're playing the same amount of games. I, I would advocate strongly. I would love, it won't happen, but I would love to see a team that's in if they win or lose, just forfeit the game. Yeah. We're not going to just Atlanta. Not go. yeah. yeah, we're I mean, not going to. And, and the thing, too, guys, and. and I didn't hate, hate the plus one model we have now, but I was against it because I knew what was coming. The first rule of any playoff is they always expand. Of course. But in the history of sport, can you guys name a playoff that ever tripled I, in size? Yeah. Couldn't From agree more. four to 12 to 12? Well, I mean, the tail's wagging the dog at this point. There's too many people who can make too much money off of the properties, the, the games themselves, who aren't involved with all the logistics. Well, there's too many ads to be sold. There's too many. I mean, it's it's going to continue to get bigger, and it's a shame to see that it, it's kind of gotten out of containment, well, I think. The, the I, dirty, I agree with that. Yes, and the dirty secret, too, is because you think about this. Now, we are fortunate as Georgia fans that the semifinal game was in Atlanta this year. But if, it, if it's been in years, like let's say, and I was talking to some some uh, friends of mine from Clemson, and I can't remember, but let's say it was a year they played a semifinal game in Tempe, and if the national title game's in California, yeah. or if you got to go to Miami or, or to yeah. Arizona, or so, that's hard to get fan bases traveling like that. Well, now you're talking about two to three more layers of that, but here's the dirty secret. That's more eyeballs on TV. They don't yeah. care. And exactly. the other thing, too, now you're talking about getting into a second semester. Football's always tried to avoid that for various reasons. <laughs> Indeed. Various reasons. Eligibility being numero uno. 
Correct. So now you're, t- I believe the first year of the play, like the title game is going to be on January 25th. I mean, that is deep. When you're talking about starting yeah, practice back in August, season. it's an extra month, an extra month you're trying to keep that winning edge. And I can just tell you, too, basketball, there's been a slow creep of the schedule. It basically used to start around Thanksgiving, and now it's early November. And I've talked with coaches, coaches, players, trying to keep that winning edge for another month. You know, you're probably going to have more players like the what happened at Ohio State, maybe opting out to get yeah, ready. You're creeping into the draft. More is not always better. And as somebody who loves college football, part of what makes it great, it takes forever to get here and it flies by, but it leaves you wanting for more. And, and that is, that's a long way to go. And I think another thing that's important is I don't think the national title game will ever rival the Super Bowl because college football is at its best when it's a volume sport. And let, let's talk about, you know, for us, let's say if it's a day, let's say Georgia's playing. Hey, we won the noon game. All right, we got to get home. Auburn's playing Tennessee. Alabama's yeah, playing LSU. Yeah. Michigan's playing Penn State tonight. Hey, then West Coast, we got USC and Washington. That's when you really love it. Or if the dogs are off, like the yeah, week before. Yeah, All right, what do we got today? Absolutely. And you pick out the six or seven games you're watching. And, and again, going back to historical perspectives, that's where New Year's Day was always so big because there usually, used to only be one game game a week on. Well, New Year's Day, you had those four and then five games. That was the day you had four slash five games on in one day. It was unprecedented. It's a volume sport, and it's more regionally based. So I I just think to anticipate you could ever have that title game rivaling a Super Bowl, it'll never end. Well, just think about the NCAA tournament. Do you like the first weekend better or – it's the, the last weekend. It's yeah, everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, the title game's kind of an afterthought. I mean, sa- the semifinal Saturday's great. Yeah. But it's the first weekend because it's absolutely. volume. You got what, 16 games Thursday, 16 games Friday. It's awesome. It's, it's the, the volume yeah. of college athletics. Yeah. No doubt. Great perspective, JD. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Outside of Georgia, what's been your most memorable experience in your broadcasting career? Caught a lot of big events. A lot, lot of big events. Um, I got to cover three Olympics. That was pretty neat. I got to see Michael Phelps set some records. Uh, that was pretty cool. I covered the hockey in, in Sochi and um, did basketball in 2016 down in Brazil. It was pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So Sochi, Brazil. And, and London. And London. And London. Okay. Now, I wasn't doing play-by-play. I was just doing interviews then. But, um, yeah, so that would be it. 99.9% of my broadcast have been Georgia stuff. I know for me, if I'll, I'll give you one off the radar, the biggest non-Georgia thing, if I could ever have, you know, like I think about, God, if we could have won in 17, if we could have beat Pitt and Penn State, was uh, my biggest non-Georgia heartbreak ever, though, was Watson at the 09 British Open. Oh, oh to see. That would have meant the uh, – yeah, it was – that was what I just right. thought that oh. was, can we say an effing tech guy <laughs> on this – Absolutely. That was one – that was one where I really thought my life was the tree, which I'm like, why are you cursing me like this? Because we had, we had blown a 16-point lead to Tech here in 08, and that would have been eight straight, which would have equaled yeah, the yeah, drought yeah. of the 50s. And so then Larry Munson day. For him, yeah, of course, yeah. For him to have come so close, yeah. You've done a lot of great things, met a lot of cool people. What celebrity would make you starstruck if you met him or her? Most of them are dead. Who would it be? Don't act like you would yes. be starstruck by Margot Robbie if she came but in here right now. I will tell you this. I got to meet Jack Nicholas and I was blown away. And if I ever got to meet Tom Watson, I would be wow. as well. I never got to meet Palmer. 
Um, but it, but I got to meet the Golden Bear, uh, courtesy of Bill O'Leary and, and Nan O'Leary, and who were down. Uh, their daughter Kelly went to school at Georgia in, in the footsteps of, of her parents. So uh, I got to meet the Golden Bear. That was pretty knee-knocking right there. That is awesome. Because um, I would have a, my friend George Pazekny who played tennis here in the early 80s. He and Bill are good friends, and uh, Jack would you know hit tennis with them some, and they would text me there with him and go, ooh, ooh, ask him his best one iron. Go like, all right, what was it? Was it the, the U.S. Open at Oakmont? Was it St. Andrews in 70? Or was it Augusta? You know, Pebble Beach in 72, the one that hit the stick on 17? They go, we're not asking him that. And they said, <laughs> we're not going to let you meet it because you just pepper him with yeah. these questions. But I was pretty much more like the great Chris Farley That's when he interviewed going. Paul That's McCartney. Exactly do you, you remember that? When that was it, awesome. do, you, do you remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> yes, yes. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> All That's such a great. Do you, you remember when you won the Masters? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. man, that was awesome. So, yeah, but meeting Jack Nicholas was pretty darn. And in one of the Olympics, I got to meet Marv Albert. Oh, that's awesome. That was, okay. and I, I blew it at Sochi too. I really blew it because I was walking by, and Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were walking by. And I love Al Michaels and Marv are my favorite TV guys. And Michaels did the TV call for the Blue to Scott game. There you go. That was just brought up. It's a tremendous call. Of course, Collinsworth is on. And I thought to myself, I need to walk up to them and go. Was Collinsworth on the Florida team that year? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, wow. I I almost walked up to them and said, just to let you know, you two guys were both present for maybe the most memorable event of my life. (laughs) They're like, but I, they're like, I the birth of your child. He's like, no, 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 nineteen eighty Georgia. Do it. November the eighth, nineteen eighty. I said, I, I didn't do it, but I saw them walking together, and I go, do it, do it. And I tell my buddy Mark Parkman, who's a big Georgia guy, goes, I told, he goes, you should have done it. It would have been tremendous, but I just, That's I chickened awesome. out. I, you know, I, I, I love broadcasters, out. and obviously some of my close friends are great broadcasters, like Jeff Dancer. My first game ever in the NFL, Sunday Night Football, Steelers at Broncos. It was wow. Peyton Manning's first game as a Denver Bronco. Wow. So NBC, Sunday Night Football, I'm a rookie punter. I'm out there way before anybody else, and I'm around the 50-yard line, and guess who walks up to me? Al Michaels. That's awesome. And he introduces himself, talks about dad, congratulations, followed your—you know, I was like— this is pretty cool. This is pretty, yeah. He knows who I am. Yeah. Did he make fun of you for just total nepotism? <laughs> he probably thought that. Yeah. But no, he didn't say yeah, that. I'm going to go say it to Kevin Butler's kids. Yeah. So because he was calling, you know, the thing that people don't really realize, because that was your dad who made the kick when the guy jumped out yes, of the stands yes, through the portal football, to make yeah. the catch, which I never will forget. Yeah. That might be the Monday night moment of all time. So the guys from Barstool Chicago did a um, quick documentary on that guy. I forget his name. Dad was no, dad would know his name. Uh, but they reached out to me, and they were like, hey, we're doing a documentary. Can we get your dad's information? We want to interview him about the guy of who jumped course. out of the stadium. I don't know if you've seen this video, Ryan. Liam can cut it up and find it. It's on YouTube. But dad kicks an extra point at Soldier Field against the Packers on Monday Night Football. The it guy's goes sitting, over the net. He's sitting next to the concourse, you, the concourse yeah, where you walk out. Yeah. yeah. And he just jumps off this seat and catches the ball in midair, falls. I mean, it's an all-time scene. He yeah. probably had to go down with 12 feet Yeah, I mean, there's least. no question. No question about it. I mean, it'd be like jumping off the roof of a one-story house to make the catch. Absolutely. And he caught it. Yeah. <laughs> the timing of it. 
It was unbelievable. Oh, dude, this interview is fantastic. He was what Steve Bartman wanted to be. And then Lynn Swan <laughs> yes. interviews him during the game. Right, and right. he's like, my name's Al something. I've played football all my life. Like, it's the funniest thing ever. Oh, a real funny. football guy. Oh, <laughs> it's my bucket list yeah. is, to do, is to tag along on a boys trip with you and your dad to Chicago. It's, I, it's all time. And yeah, it's, bask in the what, secondary light of Kevin Butler. That's, you know, what, that's, I yeah. that's your, what I do. Your dad's one of those few guys, though, that is – such a college legend and such a pro legend and to be revered. I mean, you're talking about fan bases, the university of Georgia Bulldogs, and then the Chicago bears and to be a part of that 85 team, which is beyond royalty there, but to, to be so beloved by two such passionate fan bases, they're not many athletes who could say that. I mean, I know Peyton wound up going to the Broncos. You might say, well, Peyton Manning with Tennessee and then with, with the Colts. I mean, there are some extreme examples, but there are not that many who won as much as yeah. your dad did right. at both places, too. It's really cool. The, that 85 Bears team. I, I mean, I've never been around the Cubs that brought a World Series to Chicago, but that 85 Bears team, they are revered in oh, every yeah. sense of the word up in Chicago. It's awesome. All right, J.D., Ryan said it. It's the truth. You're the voice of Athens, Georgia. Oh, come on. It's it's. What would be on the to-do list for a perfect day in Athens, Georgia? Oh, for a perfect day for anyone? Or? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, you know, for right, Jeff Dantzler. For, for Jeff, Jeff Dantzler. Dantzler. We yeah. know what well, we, we got to win, do. but yeah. I've got. I'm trying to enjoy the games more because there's a lot of. T- and then we finally won it because sometimes you know the games are so stressful. Like, did you really enjoy that? Like, did if they I, win, I do. Yeah. Yeah, but oh, I'm like yeah. going. I enjoyed the the end of the George Alabama game. I didn't enjoy the first half of it. I mean, oh, you God. are a nervous wreck when oh, you watch football gosh. games. Have you have you been around this guy during no, a football game? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, he it's, will give you anxiety. When he, when he was working tough. the press box, I'd hear him. You know, and I would. And, and yeah. I said this earlier, it was like the voice of God. Something would happen, or it sounded like he made it happen. You know, Drew Butler's kick is blocked out of bounds or something, and then you would hear the PA guy say it. Then you would hear the CBS guy say it. Then you would hear you know our guy say it. Then. The Kentucky guy said it or whatever. You remember that losing yeah. to Kentucky on senior oh, night? Oh, I do. Yeah, 2009. Yeah, Randall Cobb. We, we shouldn't do Andre that. Woodson. We shouldn't <laughs> have that senior night before games. No, I, I just think, you know, it's just like any of us. I think just, just being with your friends and – uh, having your first cocktail in the morning, yeah, of because course. you can't it's drink great. all day if you don't start in the morning, and uh, fact. and just you know wh- whether it's playing golf, whether it's watching the dogs, because this time I mean, Georgia football is the greatest thing in the world, but this time of year we've got thirteen different sports mm-hmm. going, and it's awesome. I mean, when you got say basketball, gymnastics here, we got a baseball and tennis weekend going on. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun, and th- there's a lot of stuff for Georgia fans to do. You know, they just just find your your favorite spot, sit on the deck somewhere. Athens, Georgia is hard to beat. You can do that in the spring, too. You can go out to dinner after going to a sports event, and you're yeah. going to see people you know, and right. it's not going to be a total madhouse, which is and I th- awesome. You know, when you're talking about historical perspectives, I think that's another thing, too, is that it's so like college football, it brings people back together. And we all think back to when we were young. I know it was different with you because you were playing. Then you get older, you get married, you start having kids. People you used to see all the time, it dwindles. And now they're probably, for a lot of us, People you see five, six, seven times a year, it's those weekends yeah. in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to, to speak to our, you know, uh, what we were talking about earlier with maybe the quality of the games going down as as conferences expand, you know, I've already felt that. And, you know, I feel like I live a million miles away. We live on St. Simons and 
just being able to come back for a game and be amongst everybody mm-hmm. and be able to turn on the radio and hear JD or run into such and such who you hadn't seen or such and such who gained a ton of weight, <laughs> whatever. It's, I mean, it's, it's good for the soul. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I agree. For yeah. me um, at this point, you know, so I mean, now I'm, that we've won, I feel like I can accept that. Yeah. You, you know, can. I mean, I know for me, I was back when you can smoke in the stadium, which I actually liked. I was a kid. I wasn't smoking, but there was this wonderful smell, this aroma of cigarette smoke, peanut shells, and bourbon mixed with Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah. And you, you cannot smell. duplicate it. <laughs> I mean, and I just, when I'm a kid, I just. Sounds and, like Liam's apartment. <laughs> so there's, so, but, but with that, <laughs> yeah. I just. <laughs> That might smell a little different, but I know I always liked uh, walking to the stadium. I would go like through Clark Howell and you've got this little shaded area and then go up those stairs on the side. And I love doing that. The first game I went to BYU 82, my first game at Sanford stadium when your dad kicked the game winner. Who was the quarterback? And Steve Young yeah, threw six picks. Yep. Six interceptions. Six interceptions. Was, 17, 14. Is that Stinger? Who was the quarter, quarterback? Uh, John was quarterback. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, so that's like, to me, you know, they say that sights and smells and tastes can bring back the memories. There's still times kind of walking around the stadium, going back through that parking lot or, or spots on, on North Campus coming down where you, you can kind of close your eyes and it feels like it was the 80s or yeah. whatever, whenever you were growing up. That, that's what's special to me. So here's to peanut shells, cigarette smoke, and bourbon. Yeah. Amen to that. <laughs> yeah, amen. Put that on a T-shirt. There, there you go. <laughs> um, what was your first game at UGA? That My you first game at UGA that I remember, Dad, um, when he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, I want to say it was a Saturday night at home against Ole Miss, and I think Georgia lost, goal line stand. Is that right? Do you remember? 96, No, yeah. that would have been 2000, 2001. What? 2001. Uh, we beat Dad him, got we beat him in, 01 out there. No, 01, we lost to Auburn. That's, that was yeah. the game. At the goal line, Coach Rick thought night we had game. a timeout left. Was it a night game? We handed off to Jasper Sanks. That was yeah. it. Yep, that was it. That's that. That's the game that I yeah. remember oh, probably the most because I moved here in '99. Oh, I didn't even. think. Yeah, I moved here in '99. For, for we were in California for eight months. We were in Chicago before then. Yeah. So okay. I, the first Georgia game I ever went to was the '81 Clemson game. We lost thirteen to three with nine turnovers to the eventual national champions on the road. That tells you how good that team yeah. was. Wow. We lost. By ten to the national champions with nine turn, so that was my first nine ever game turnovers. in person. What I is up with get, you? Six picks, nine turnovers. We got to keep you out of that stadium. Well, no doubt. And then because the thing, I didn't get to go to Georgia, Florida in eighty because my parents said that was that's a grown ups trip. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of us heard that growing up. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, you know enjoying a day in Athens with your wife or loved one. My last question before we get to our parting segment that's called Five to Go. Literally, I have this question written down. How in the hell did a guy like you marry your wife, Emily? Shout well, out to Emily Dantzler. I'm v- very charming. You are. I'll give you that. Very you are charming, charming. And I'm a smooth talker. <laughs> smooth I'll talker. I'll co-sign that And I as caught well. her in a moment of weakness. There you go. And then Champagne. capitalized. You said, honey, run this tab it's like, up. It's like if there's a fumble, don't just don't just fall on it. Scoop it up and take it to the end <laughs> zone, baby. God bless you, brother. <laughs> Situational football. That is oh, awesome. Man. That is awesome. JD, this has been an absolute blast. It's awesome, man. Anytime. Uh, it's my honor. Our last segment's called Five to Go. We're going to ask you five questions okay. to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. And you've done a great job. I'll give you a B-plus right now. Okay. But you, you have the B opportunity plus. to get up to an A. Okay. All right, so here it is. All right. Go ahead, Ryan. Start us off. Five to go. All right. Uh, what team do you want to see us schedule the most? 
In football. In, in football. We're, we're football. talking like a non-conference. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we get one game in Sanford Stadium. You're scheduling. You can get schedule whoever you want. I, I always had wanted to do a home-and-home home with Michigan. I mean, since we beat them in the Orange Bowl, too, I think it'd be cool to go to the big house and have them come here. Uh, an addendum to that, it's been a dream of mine, too, to beat Penn State for the national title. Get a little revenge, exact some revenge. I, like that. I, I saw Todd Blackledge after we won in Indianapolis, yeah. and I just go, Todd, my name's Jeff Dantzler. I was in the stadium. I was 10 years old on 1183, and he goes, well, I hope this makes it better, and I just go, never. <laughs> and if you're not watching this on YouTube, Jeff is being very that serious was, right now. That was a hard night. And taste of the town sucks. <laughs> Why don't you show us a football game? <laughs> That's amazing. Um What's your biggest guilty pleasure? Oh, boy. Um, I, I, there's a lot of food I like. Probably fried food. Fried chicken, fried shrimp, okay. French fries. Yeah. Hilltop grill, Hilltop, bacon, bacon wrap, wrap shrimp. shrimp. There you go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a grind in the fall. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And one thing, you, you traveling with teams, especially with baseball, when you're eating like they're eating, but they're playing and you're not, yeah. I have Catch to work out you. on the road. Every day, and baby, that's just to maintain. <laughs> just to maintain. But I would say fried food would probably be my number one guilty pleasure. Uh, all right, you can see one band slash musical act. Why, this was typed terribly, oh, Drew. One band. You can see one band. They're playing in your backyard. Who, who, who's playing? Led Zeppelin one, Beatles two. Okay. Like Did you watch Get Back? Have you seen that? Is that the movie where the Beatles never existed? No, that's yesterday. It's okay. Very, uh, that's okay. pretty good. That's like the perfect thing just to have on. Like, what a thing to steal there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You'll watch. It's okay. a British movie. But Get Back is, it can be painfully boring at times. It's on Apple TV. <laughs> but it's just about these guys being brought together by some producer. You know, gets the Beatles back together. They all hate each other. And they have to put this Get Back show together. And just, you know, George Harrison quits. you got to watch it. I, 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 yeah, I love it. The greatest American band ever is from Athens, Georgia, R.E.M. I love R.E.M. too. Solo artists. Are probably, That's a great music festival right yeah, there. Zeppelin, probably, the Beatles, and R.E.M. Probably Billy Joel, Bowie, uh, George Strait, and then George Strait. the great one. I love Frank Sinatra too. Oh, yeah. You know, Larry Munson once played piano at a Sinatra concert. No, come he on. He told me that story once. <laughs> no way. And I just I wrote an article that I said what? if there was one show, I could have. I mean, Larry Munson and Frank, he said, I wore white socks. He went and bought me some black socks and made me wear them. <laughs> where, where was he? I, I can't remember. It was probably, so, probably somewhere else. Out of Minneapolis. I want to hear. I wish I could hear in that gravel voice the summer one. <laughs> Unbelievable. You got another one? You want me to go? Oh, uh, you go. All I'm right. trying to find. What's your dream golf foursome? Uh, with actual golfers? No, anybody. Who do you want to play with? Living or dead? Oh, yeah. yeah, of course. It's just five to go. Teddy Roosevelt, Benjamin Franklin, and Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I love it. Where are we playing? I might finish second. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You're trying to stack the field. That's right. I like no, that. just the, I think the the the, the Renaissance men would be yeah. at the top of my list. But if I had to go with players, Watson, Nicholas, and Palmer. Yeah, I mean, yeah come yeah. on, that would be that's awesome. That 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 picture your dad has the, of Palmer and Hogan smoking a cigarette on the National. on the yeah. I think that's on the thirteenth tee when Arnie was in his prime and Hogan was at the end. That's a pretty damn cool picture. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a great one. Absolutely. All right, best SEC road trip? Oxford. Okay. 
Tell, walk me through it. I, I'm embarrassed uh, to say I've never no, done it. Oxford, oh, Oxford's fun, yeah. I mean, the square, it's the square. Yeah, well, everybody talks about yeah, it. When I was younger, too, especially, I mean, it's. I've always said for for quality, Athens has probably got the raw numbers, but Oxford, the per capita. I mean, I just remember the first time I went when I was in college, I was blown away by how beautiful the girls were. It was unbelievable. I mean, it is they like to have a good time. The the cocktails are flowing. Uh, close. I, I love going in. I don't count Nashville as a college town. Yeah, yeah. It is a great college town, but I love going to Nashville when we play Vandy uh, for, for the various sports. And then Baton Rouge for the food. I would weigh 400 pounds if I lived in Baton Rouge. There, eating Cajun obviously. food. There's, there's, oh, my gosh. That version of you exists there. I, mean, <laughs> I saw it last fall. Yeah. There's, there's multiple of them. <laughs> Speaking of food, this is your last question and five to go. It's your last meal. What restaurant are you dining at? Uh, let's see. In Athens, it'd probably have to be Hilltop or Marker 7. Uh, down uh. on St. Simon's, <laughs> I'm going Frederica House. Frederica House. That's a that's a, 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 fried a sea- deep cut. Yes, a fried seafood. Uh, probably do a little shrimp and scallops. If you go to Frederica House... Um, it has true pecky cypress all around. That's the wood and, there. Uh, yeah, so it, it has these little pecks in it. If you go to Sea Island, they have artificial pecky cypress where somebody went in with like a pocket knife and made this it look the like stuff. the real thing. But Frederica House has the real thing. And they give you four-finger dark liquor drink pours, too. Yeah. yeah, they're not messing around. I like that. Sets yes. the stage just right. Well, J.D., this has been an absolute pleasure, my man. Thank you so much for joining Punt and the Poor Man. It would not be uh, – the right thing to do without kicking it off like a guy with a guy like yourself. And I'll tell you this, you definitely got an A. Maybe uh, even an A? a plus. Yeah. Yes. I'll give you that for sure. No nepotism either. No, not no at help all. was given. That's not right. at all. Absolutely. <laughs> it was it was all smooth sailing once he figured out where the journalism building was. Yes, I mean the yes. guy knows how many interceptions in <laughs> Steve Young threw between the hedges in eighty three. But where's the yeah. ju- where's the journalism building? Absolutely. Where, no clue. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jeff. Really appreciate Enjoyed this. It, we'll be boys. back next week with another episode of Punt and the Poor Man. See ya. Nobody loves Georgia like Jeff Dancer does. Gosh. <laughs> He's the best. I, lo- I, I honestly love JD. He is the best. There's no doubt about it. And, and, you know, how about Emily? How about how he talked about picking up Emily? Yeah, you know, just- of course. To know Jeff is to know Emily, and they are both fantastic people. And how Emily is, you know, the stalwart of the family through the ups and downs. Like in that Ohio State game, as he was talking about. Obviously, he was in the stadium. I'm assuming Emily was somewhere near him. I mean, her rule must just be can't look at him, can't talk to him. Because I was anxious in that game, too. And I try to, you know, remain somewhat even keeled through Georgia football games. But that was a great conversation. Jeff is a true savant. Steve Young, six picks, 1982. Like, I don't know how he does it. No clue where the journalism building was. No clue. Oh, how great was that? Doesn't know where anything is, but knows everything about what everything that's ever happened here. Yeah, so much fun. I was uh, honored that Jeff came and joined us. Obviously, you've known Jeff for a number of years, um, and he'll be around these parts for a very, very long time. There was a reason we got him. I think it lived up to the hype. JD, thanks so much for tuning in, and thank you for listening as well. We will see you next week on Punt and the Poor Man. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. 
Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.